This is Aaron, Jeremiah, and Nate. We play in a band together. We spent years in a band discussing music and everything else. This is a podcast mostly about everything else. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, we're starting just a little different this week. We're just going to jump straight into the interview. Um, we recorded this one last week, but we talked so much about the election and the status of everything going on that it felt like we needed to hurry up and just get this one out. Uh, our guest this week is Dan Koch. He's a commercial uh, composer. And he is also a psychology student, but he's probably best known for he was one of the members of the band Sherwood. Um, and he also currently hosts the You Have Permission podcast, uh, which is a great resource for people deconstructing and reconstructing their faith. Um, he is just, I think, great at having a lot of voices from all across the um, Christian faith spectrum um, and not just kind of one stream. Uh, so he's someone that we've come to appreciate a lot. It was super fun to have him on. He's a very thoughtful an energetic and lively person. So we hope you'll listen to it. One thing just to say up ahead of time, uh, if you're listening to this out loud in the car, your kids are around, there is a little bit of language in it. Uh, for the record, half of it is uh, quotes of, uh, looks like former President Donald Trump. Um, but I just wanted you to know that in case you're listening to it. Maybe you can check it out on your headphones later. I, I wouldn't skip it. Dan's very thoughtful. We had a lot of fun. Uh, so thanks for tuning in this week. We're just going to jump straight in with Dan Cope. Thanks. We were deep in the middle. We should have just let you in because we were deep in the middle of discussing what the chances are that this this election could go any other direction than it obviously is oh, going. It, no, it's over. It's totally yeah. over. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, oh, that's like a that's like a warm blanket on me, Dan. <laughs> it is. It is less than a half a percent chance that it goes some but other direction. Weren't those? Weren't those? I don't understand these. That things. feels like a poll number. But the the bidding <laughs> on the bidding on uh, on on uh yeah uh, vegas odds or whatever yeah, yeah. it had a, it had trump at like still seven percent like recently well so betting odds are interesting in one sense they're trying to track the real chances in another chance they in another sense they are as far as i understand it they are modified by the volume of bets being placed so okay. And I could be wrong about that, but that's my understanding. Whereas, like, on election night, they were, like, wildly all over the place, that first sort of 36 hours or whatever. But, like, the people who do the math were not nearly that wildly. So so what you're saying, Dan, is that you're you're betting that a lot of people, a lot of far-right people drove to Vegas in the last week and bet it all on Orange? You don't have to drive. You can do it online (laughs) in many states. They're the kind of people that would take that, wow, just roll it all, you know? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. That could be be false. Uh, I was thinking, I was like, well, if if that's true, so Biden was at like 92 cents, right? Yeah. Like, that's easy money, right? Well, it's, but it's not very much money. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, make like nothing. Yeah, if you'd yeah. like to put a thousand dollars down to make eight eighty eighty dollars, you know. Yeah. I can think of some more some simpler ways to make eighty bucks <laughs> than that. <laughs> is all I'm saying. Good point. That would so be here good. what yeah. what I was saying in this by the way, uh I know nothing about this stuff and, and we'll get into it. You probably have taught me more about this. Which stuff is than, what we like. We like anybody. to talk about things we know very little about. Like that's, that's, that's our, what podcasting that's is all about. Hey, I so, don't like yeah. doing that. I think it's. I think it's obvious at this point that recount isn't going to mean anything. The, the only, problem is, if it's one state, it could in theory, but it's like three states now. So it's just. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, I and honestly, I haven't paid as close of attention as as I, uh, close of attention to it as I could have in the last mm-hmm. two days or so. 
But everybody that I think is like really sharp and not a partisan hack, like mm-hmm. Dave Wasserman, you know, Nate Cohn from the New York Times, Nate Silver mm-hmm. from 538, um, David Brooks from New York Times, like th- these guys are just like, it's over. So, right. like, unl- if they were like, ah, interesting, there's this mm-hmm. path, I would take that seriously. Yeah. Uh, but I'm so I'm not, you know, just right. by trusting their expertise. That's that's what I continue to see. I think the the hail mary that I keep seeing people talk about is, and I don't really understand this, but the other legal ways that it could happen, as far as like the Supreme Court being convinced of enough statistical so anomaly stuff, where they say, okay, no, we're throwing. Which is again, I think it's that half percent, right? Like that, the recount doesn't seem yeah. to be the half percent chance. No. It's Some a one in two. Yeah, recourse. maybe it's that. But like, there's already been an independent, you know, overseer who's looked at it. Like, interesting. I didn't these, know that. A bunch of these states are Republican state houses. <laughs> like, they're not, you know, it's, you have to think it's just the conspiracy of conspiracies, mm-hmm. basically. Right. And this is a great point because I feel like some people just. Like I don't think people are that smart that this deep of a conspiracy. Like when I and when I hear about like organized, yes when I hear yeah. like the moon landing is faked I'm like do you realize how many people to fake the moon landing have to be hyper intelligent hyper deceptive yeah and get well, away with it? like to be fair to be fair though and I'm not I'm not arguing this point but I think the the argument a hot tip Dan would, he's would, a fla- he's a flat earther but go ahead <laughs> the argument would not would not be that thousands of of people like fudged three or four here or there and so you get thousands off it's that like the 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 pro the software in the election counting machines that could have glitches that cause thousands to be flipped all of a sudden right again you can easily fact check that and research it and i'm sure that's what they're all doing now but right uh, yeah it would be more i was saying that the moon landing like two no. people say hey we can we can change this bit of code here and hide thousands. I know. don't know. I mean, so I w- I said thousands with regard to the moon landing because NASA had yes. hundreds, if not thousands, of employees. One right. of which is my my grandfather in law, who worked for NASA oh, around that time, and just like I'm just you know he's one example, but it's just like mm-hmm. he would know, like right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was his <laughs> full time Does- job. What <laughs> was he doing Does he it? for ten Does years? It buzz- Hasn't for the like the last few years? Doesn't Buzz Aldrin like punch everyone who says it to his face? He literally did punch someone in the face for saying it. My favorite, one of my favorite moments of the Ali G show uh, is is Sasha Baron Cohen interviewing Buzz Aldrin and saying, "What do you think of the people who say the moon isn't real?" (laughs) 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 So good. I think with the election software, maybe. But there's another issue, which is that it's not like there's two people for each state running this software. It's like different counties mm-hmm. are each reporting exact yeah. numerical totals. Mm-hmm. You and then you've got multiple states. It's just like That's I don't super I mean, complex. Are we recording, by the way? This is it. Yeah, this is it. Okay, man. good. I'm recording. <laughs> I'm recording yeah, a backup rocking. in case you want it. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. We we do want it. That's well, better it, than and, the and I've heard audio, many. Sure. I've heard many of my Republican. You know, I'm, and maybe we're in a similar position to you, Dan. Like, I used to work at a large church as a pastor, and I also play in a you know more progressive rock band. So I have very I have friends on either side. So my yeah, Facebook good. stream is r- really interesting. 
Um, but a lot of my re- Republican We're friends slowly pointed shutting out all the people past. that disagree with us out of our lives, though. Yeah, no, yeah. don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. Um, is no, I no, yeah, for sure. Um, is that like you know all these elections are so locally run and decentralized that that is such a safeguard? I mean, yeah, you're right, Jeremiah. If the code is just doing it on its mm-hmm. own, but but you know that still the for fact sure. that they're all so decentralized is like that's a strong point. Like, how many mini revolutions do you have to have? But mm-hmm. it's uh. We we were actually um, on tour four years ago in uh, you, I believe you live in Washington, right? I live in Seattle. Yeah, we were in Seattle the night Trump won last year. No, and then the next night we mm-hmm. and the next night we were in Portland, um, <laughs> and on a on a oh. on a like a on and it was so wild to be there while it was happening in the epicenter of (laughs) depression yeah (laughs) (laughs) west coast cities (laughs) we were in a pizza shop after we played and it was like the news is coming through it was like man is this happening and then the next day in portland it was just like everybody was walking around like just wounded, like just fucking walking dead yeah dude yeah (laughs) I'm, i'm so sorry to ask this but it's you don't have it on your what band are you guys in it's not on the profile info yeah, well, we, well, we have tried to keep that separate, so we... we oh. Uh, no, we're no, in a band no, called Sherwood. It. We say it, <laughs> but uh, no, the band's called My Epic, but it's not like the My Epic podcast, you know I what see, I mean? I see, so, I see, I see. Okay, I, uh, I do think I saw something uh, relating to that, but I just, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, no. I've been it, out it, of the, the touring rock band scene for uh, almost, really actually a decade now. We stopped touring in 2010. So that's yeah, we were we're we're, we're aware uh, Jeremiah when he told me that you'd already been in several podcasts and that you were uh, a couple beverages in I said this is our chance to get the real dirt on uh, Jeremiah's favorite band in high school Reliant K so oh, we're just gonna start going hard on the I, I'll answer questions about Reliant K I'm not actually drunk you, the thing is this is the thing this is the thing about being in a rock band for ten years is tolerance yes it's true that I've been drinking for three hours no it's not true that I am drunk. <laughs> right like that's I now if that. my Dan, wife had been drinking for three hours she would be blitzed yeah. but i built yeah. up dan, a tolerance over those years dan we're gonna let the listeners decide uh so we'll just fair you know, enough. We'll see how this goes over fair enough uh, yeah good did, did were you there when it happened four years ago were you living in washington i was yeah that was a rough night man that was uh i was that was a that's a dark night single night of the soul mm-hmm. if you want to call it that yeah. um oh that was that what was bad. chances did you give Trump of winning? Like, was it on the radar? Yeah, it was on the radar. So I at that point, I was already pretty into like Nate Silver and 538 and the kind of like mm-hmm. data driven, poll driven models. And I knew that they had given him a 30 percent chance. But I preferred to trust the New York <laughs> Times upshot, which only gave him a 10 percent chance. Yeah. And so that was my expectation. Gotcha. And it was, yeah, it was really crushed. Uh, the thing, the thing that's um, unique to me, though, that is not necessarily does not apply to other people, is that I have a lifelong panic disorder. It's a it's a DSM diagnosis. Uh, no one ever gave it to me, but I, I'm now training to be a psychologist, and I'm very aware that that is the diagnosis that's accurate. Mm-hmm. It comes and goes. Like right now, I I call it like it's in remission which is not a real term you use for panic disorder, but it's like at various points in my life, I've had panic attacks, recurrent, 
around cer certain triggers and I have a kind of a general anxiety issue. And Trump is uh, a pretty major anxiety trigger for me. So what I knew would happen if he won and I was right is that I would have an anxious four years of my life, basically. And I did. And uh, most of that has lifted in the last few days. <laughs> Could you, uh, would you be able to yeah. quantify if it's been more, less, or the same anxious that you expected? Uh, you mean the last four years? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great question, actually, Jeremiah. Um, I would say, hmm, it's about what I expected in, mm -hmm. insofar as I knew that I would have to learn habits to sort of deal with it. And probably in some sense, it was a learning and growth experience, you know, to, to sort of have that uh, negative grain against which you, you have no choice but to push, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to live your life despite it, no matter what. And so probably I grew, uh, but it was, it was quite uncomfortable. I mean, I've gotten, I've, I've sort of gone back and forth with like Twitter checking habits and um, I don't know, like I've gotten into really bad habits, like when I first wake up and checking the news and getting mm -hmm. the little dopamine hits and, and maybe getting my adrenaline rolling. And, and that's just not the way to wake up. It's, mm -hmm. it's not, it doesn't line up with my own values for how I want to live my life and my days. So I would, yeah, I would say about the same, uh, but there have been some interesting nooks and crannies, you know, if I want to look at it more closely. Mm -hmm. Is, is that, is that like, so you've known other people like him, and you're like, oh, they're triggering for me. Um, no, or is it just, having just him. <laughs> yeah, no, I, else is, like him? I was genuinely, <laughs> you know, I, I'll say this. I have been pleasantly surprised. Uh, oh, man, actually, I don't know with COVID. So before COVID, I would have said, I am pleasantly surprised how few crises there have been. Mm -hmm. Like, I do think that he has managed to do tremendous damage to a lot of stuff that the average person is not aware of, like the nuts and bolts of the state department or mm -hmm. the EPA or whatever, like mm -hmm. that kind of stuff or our relationship with our allies. Mm -hmm. um, that stuff matters, but I'm not like in that world. So yeah. I'm, I'm aware that people I respect say that that matters. That's probably a better way of saying it. Mm -hmm. uh, but then COVID hit and you know it's hard to know how to do the math but with nearing a quarter million deaths i think a fairly reasonable number to say that trump himself is responsible with his decisions as an administration it's maybe a hundred thousand of those two hundred fifty thousand. i i do a hundred or a hundred fifty a hundred maybe of yeah. 250 oh, I, 100, yeah i don't i'm not trying to be sort of like uh, well, I alarmist you for or not whatever. Saying 250, no, I don't think like so. What a lot of people <laughs> no, say, of course but not. I, think I mean, it's like fair to to say like we could possibly quantify it. Yeah, I mean, like Angela Merkel is like a model sort of president figure, and they've still had a lot of deaths. Like it's not like mm -hmm. everybody's going to mm -hmm. have a bunch of deaths. Like it's right. it is a novel, super deadly virus. Mm -hmm. So to to put it all on him is lazy. But let's call like it a hundred. Mm -hmm. I feel like the moment when you know, like when you're watching a game, like a football game, and like yeah. there's that turnover when you're already down by three. Right. I I remember the moment when he's like, "So they're recommending you all wear masks." I, I'm not gonna wear a mask. I was like, "That's the ball game." 
right there. Call Masks. It. <laughs> it's but over. even before that, but but if you read the the people who covered that beat, it's before all the mask stuff because there was, uh, you know, the WHO, as, as far as I understand, sort of like falsely said don't wear masks because they were worried about um, health workers having enough masks. They were worried about a, a shortage of masks. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, they said they don't work, which is a stupid thing to say. They mm -hmm. should have said they work, but we're worried about a shortage of masks, and they would have yes. lost a lot less public trust, right? Right. WHO has is, is made a lot of mistakes like that. But before that even, Trump just like not not following through on Fauci and other people right. on the team going like, we need to start ramping up testing. We need to start doing X and Y and him basically living in denial that it would be a problem because he's a narcissistic child of a man. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I would sort of put it of like, if you do the math on that, you might end up with like, yeah, we'd have a hundred thousand less, maybe more. I mean, mm -hmm. it's very hard to know because it's, the math is so exponential. I'm not yeah. trying to be in. I'm not trying to be sensational. I'm just saying, less right. than half. You know, something around yeah. there. So now, when I think, well, short of nuclear war, what else would cost a hundred thousand lives? Like, not even a war would cost a right. hundred thousand lives. A ground war, right. you know, like in Iran or something like that. So, I mean, maybe it would cost a hundred thousand Iranian lives, which would also be a tragedy. But so. I am actually I would I was going to say I'm pleasantly surprised by the lack mm -hmm. of a crisis. But then with COVID, yeah. it's like, no, we kind of got the worst case, like almost the worst case scenario other than right. nuclear war was. This is that argument that like know? he hasn't he's the first president in a long time not to start a war. But then so you're like, you're like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And then well, Obama then didn't start a war. I mean, he he uh, maintained. He maintained our action in the Middle East with drone strikes and used fewer boots on the ground, but he didn't start a war. I guess maybe Libya, which is like a tiny little operation. Yeah, I'm sure comparatively. there's I'm sure there's I've heard that enough and never heard it refuted that I'm sure it's true, but I think you're probably right that it may be like um technicality. Uh, kind of, maybe a technicality is the right word or like, you know, some small offshoot that's technically a new thing or something. Yeah. I I, would, I I will say my favorite thing about Trump's presidency is that he is not he's he's dovish. Like he's not into starting international wars. Mm -hmm. He's focused on like American trade policy and how we can in a zero sum way defeat all our rivals, which I think is stupid. <laughs> but at least he's focused on that and not mm -hmm. starting wars which right. I think some people worried about. And I've yeah. been very grateful that he didn't do that. I'm, I'm I will give him immense credit for that. Mm -hmm. I totally will. Yeah, mm. it was, it was a surprise. Like I hadn't thought of thought of it. And then I kept hearing about it and I was like, that's true. He hasn't really like he, his rhetoric just continues to be the, and his just the thing that probably got him the presidency in the first place ended up being the thing that, was the biggest fault in the end, which I think everybody expected, you know, just that like, again, there were probably some practical things he did, but it seems as though his rhetoric, his rhetoric around COVID was probably the most negative thing. I, well, his I rhetoric I've also with seen our allies and stuff uh, and with, well, I've seen a really intelligence and whatever. I've seen really interesting uh, stuff from people that I know who actually, were very dyed in the wool Republicans who I never would have thought wouldn't have like they were Trumpers till recently, and they flipped on him, 
And my brother's uh, my brother's father in law had one of the most interesting, and he said, "You you lost because you could not be decent. You could not. Uh, you had to be the way you were." And he, he specifically, I mean, obviously, a great example is just why did you have to say the stuff about John McCain that you said? You, I mean, that's just the dumbest. Yeah. Like, we can disagree on policy. I can think you're a jerk. All that stuff. Can mm-hmm. think you're a psycho, you know, sociopath. But that stuff is like that's. I think that's the stuff that when they're when I'm hearing people who switched, it was basically like. Well, I still agree with a lot of his policies, and I've mm-hmm. always thought he was kind of nuts. But mm-hmm. the thing that flipped to me was just the lack of decency. Like, I couldn't keep telling my kids, this is our president, and I supported yeah. it. Man, if you um, know people like that, give them the biggest hug in the world. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. How, <laughs> like, I love stories like he, that. Yeah. Did, it's so surprising to me that, that that's what would change people's mind, though, like – did they really think that wasn't him and he would change when he became a president or yeah but you have to think about media that you got to think about media literacy so it might just be that people who are lower information voters Mm. these stories just don't hit them that often you know because of my anxiety i've been a very high information voter (laughs) (laughs) since 2015 when he announced his candidacy i have been refreshing twitter and other pages because i'm so anxious about it but if you're not that way Mm -hmm. you know like my wife says like i don't she doesn't know if her parents ever even saw the access hollywood story Mm -hmm. she's not even they've never mentioned it she's like i don't even think they saw it you know and i don't know if that's true or not but Mm -hmm. it's the cognitive dissonance thing right Mm -hmm. like how much cognitive dissonance does how many videos if you if you're convinced because quite honestly, white and male, and you've grown up an American, that the justice system works and it's fundamentally fair, and anyone who mm. works hard and is honest, will it'll be okay. How many videos do you have to see to change your opinion? How much? Co- how many times does he have to say, I grabbed them by the pussy for right. you to change your mind? Yeah, and that, I think four yeah. years, they, like they said, like, it, uh, like Jesse's father-in-law said, Jeremiah, I mean, he was, he called them together recently to like, to, you know, to talk about it, but his post was like, yeah, you know, I always liked a lot of your policies, I always thought you were a little nuts, but it was just that stuff adding up. I just you did this yeah. to yourself, and I thought that yeah, I, I too was like a little tearing up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's fantastic. I mean, some people who are more cynical would say, "Well, you had your chance. You should have voted against him in 2016." I would, I would be like the the father embracing the prodigal son. <laughs> you know, let's can we slaughter the fattened calf, Jesse's dad? Let's fucking do this. Like, welcome back. But, you know, but like, you know, you know what, Dan? I had a friend point this out the other day. Um, when the prodigal son uh, changes his mind, it says yeah. that he has to come from afar off, and so yeah. maybe that's four years. Maybe it maybe come yeah. from afar off is like you know you're being Excellent. you're being tugged on for four years, and you're like I yes. don't know, I don't know. Um, yes. Well, the real I love the, that. the real hero is psychically <laughs> far off, psychologically far <laughs> yes. off, yeah. socially far off. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Not geographically. Yeah. yeah. Nate, what do Nate, you think? Nate's we haven't heard a... from you in a while. John Lennon. <laughs> down there. I love those glasses. Well, he's he's Thank in Atlanta. You. He lives in Atlanta, so he's yeah. at the heart of it. Hey, and he's from Minnesota. Stacey Abrams he's from Minnesota. Country. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. Except awesome. he voted for Trump, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, uh, I just had a, a Minnesotan on my earlier podcast today, M- Mason Menenga, who's a, a theology podcaster, and I said, "Thank oh, you, cool. sir. Thanks, thank you. I'm proud of your state." Minnesota is a very easy state to be proud of, as far as I understand. I think it's the longest held uh, blue state that's not like a part of the the blue wall, so to speak. 
Yeah, like the um, we- or the West Coast or something, right? Right. Yeah. Um, um, considering that uh, Walter Mondale is uh, Minnesotan, right? Mm. So yeah. winning against the ever popular Ronald Reagan in Minnesota. So yeah, Minnesota's. Uh, is yeah, it the very, only state that he won? I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't know that. I'm not. I'm not that much of a tidbit. One of uh, the only person. ones, because that was the one of the great electoral landslides of American history was Reagan right, against Mondale. Right, for so sure. go Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Right. No. Yeah. So Minnesota. I mean, but this is like the first time I've lived in Georgia now for like five years, and this is probably the first time I've ever been like. Hey, it's oh, it's all right. Georgia's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's very. I've mostly been shit talked Georgia like consistently because it's not not yeah. a place you know like it just always has seemed very backward to me you know. Yeah. Um, but I will say one one interesting thing um, that's happening here that is is I guess more of an anecdote that's but it seems just when we talk about the idea of. Uh, recounts and and uh, you know lawsuits and everything. The Republican uh, state secretary, right, Brad Raffensberger, I think is his name. Um, great name. Yeah, that's. He sounds like a character Strong. from a John Hughes movie. Yeah, it's nice. It's a <laughs> nice name. But this guy is the guy running the election stuff, and all the surrounding Republicans are demanding that he step down. Um, and it's really interesting because he's like on their side, like, right. and he's the one who is. They're basically saying you failed because <laughs> because the election <laughs> didn't go how yeah. he, how they yeah. wanted, and so they're saying this guy's done. You know, in a in a very Trump way. Um, it's and so David Perdue, Senator yeah. David Perdue, is uh, super in bed with Trump in that way. So Literally. it's just a really. <laughs> I, I mean, could be. <laughs> Well, uh, they would never admit it or be caught right, dead. Right. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's just there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, like yeah. in that. But t- that to me just seems like so wild, like basically a party turning on itself to try, yeah. you know, because this guy's basically trying to stand up for himself and say, "Hey, I'm the right. one who is overseeing this, and I'm, you know, and it, yeah, the results didn't come out how we want," and he's. You know, obviously he's a Republican. He's saying like, I don't want these results, but right. this is what it is, you know. And so, all the super Trump type folks are like, he has to step down, he has to resign, whatever. That's just madness, right? Like, doesn't yeah. that you know what crazy? else is interesting, Nate? I don't. It's it's probably two thirds or three fourths Stacey Abrams, but I gotta think the other third or quarter is actually the Avengers. They weren't making all those freaking movies in Georgia. How many people that are liberal and artsy-minded wouldn't have moved there? So in another sense, the Avengers actually defended the world. Are Avengers a film franchise for the liberal and artsy-minded, Aaron? I don't think so. I don't think that's right. I don't think so either. Who makes them is what you're saying. Who makes them? Who makes them? Who makes them? I don't know. That's the actual actual number of people who have moved there. I mean— Eleven hundred of those people have changed. Eleven hundred of those people flip Georgia, <laughs> dude. That's a huge production, man. It I is. Mean, that's why Nate went there, right? I'm so gonna be part of the Avengers. Have, we have Georgia's <laughs> film industry tax cuts to thank for Biden's yes. presidential win. They were thinking Could ahead. Be. They were thinking ahead. I, I. Wow. Oh, that's that's really interesting. Uh, a tax yeah. cut loses Trump. That's interesting. That's funny. Yeah, that is kind of funny. That yeah. would be. That would be the the most interesting outcome but i i really think it's actually like the suburban 
like sprawl part like um that that is because of I, all those adventures yeah. jobs right it could yeah. be but i mean a lot of those people live like in blue counties like i said earlier before this show started like my county is like over 85 percent blue you know mm. so Nate, and I, there's tons I, I do of film wanna... people young people who live here right because there is a big film community. my buddy james lives in a house the kind of punk house in the atlanta burbs that they all everyone who lives there makes independent films and uh, you know, there is a really burgeoning film scene there uh, that Georgia has very specifically tried to um, inculcate, which is awesome. Nate, I want to say, I apologize. Your glasses are not properly speaking John Lennon glasses. They have a little bit of a non-circular thing to them. Also, yeah. both my parents are from Minnesota, and I have family on both sides cool. still there. So Minnesota, close to my heart as a Scandinavian, um, oh, a dude. West Coast American. Yeah, yeah man. That Scandinavian I vibe just, is. I can is feel all the Walter me. Mondale love just flowing beneath you, <laughs> yeah. between you both. Yeah, that's uh, good. I had this surprising moment of uh, of empathy for Trump, uh, which is I have tried to fight to have over the last four years because I don't want to become him. Um, and it was uh, well, first of all, just I I think he actually thinks he's right because he goes to these rallies, right? And there's like a hundred thousand people who just think he's literally the second coming. And then he looks at the Biden drive throughs and there's like, you know, 50 cars there. I, I, how would I mean, he's also been rich his whole life. Every failure's ever been covered up by by lawsuits. Like, how could this happen? And then on top of all that, I was thinking about that. And then I read a story that was like, apparently, and this wasn't like a, a gossip site. It was like, apparently, like Melania is planning on leaving him when it's over and just didn't want to embarrass him while he's in office. And I was just like, I buy it. We'll see. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, yeah, it's it is it could be a made up story, but uh, I have I mean, seen all the super clips of her batting his hand away when he's trying to hold her hand. But, I have seen uh, those, yeah. yeah. Well, in insofar as and you know, you can't diagnose someone that's not your client, but insofar as well, he gonna. has, no, I'm not going to. But if he has <laughs> okay. narcissistic personality disorder, that is like a I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's something like a ten to fifteen percent like lifetime healing rate people with that strong of narcissism like basically don't change mm -hmm. and you know that's not necessarily on him in, in a certain sense right like that's probably genetic and his dad was probably a piece of shit and you know whatever forms that personality disorder he didn't choose it in that case the onus would be on the people who elected him who were not able to see that about him mm -hmm. right so it's it's hard to know where that blame should go. It, it it's pretty well spread out if you're trying to be, I think, fair about it. Um, and to label him as evil is a is a sh nice shortcut. But it's worth thinking about what kind of free will people with mental disorders have. And I you know I I can't diagnose him, but I'd put a lot of money on him having a mental disorder. Mm -hmm. And uh, right. and a pretty and a pretty serious personality disorder, which is which is very hard to change, and that mm -hmm. uh, kind of blows your mind up when you try and think about well, then what's the right response to that? It's hard to know, and and the little the little tidy narrative of Trump Trump Hitler or whatever is like well okay, and maybe Hitler had NPD too. I don't know, but mm -hmm. like. It's complicated. Like, what could he have done? I'm not sure. Now, what could all the people who enabled him for their own careers 
could could they have done that don't have personality personality disorders? Well, I'm I'm quite ready to to sort of blame them for their own selfishness. But it's right. it's very I mean it gets very murky when you start going well, down still, that road. We still live in a world where um, wisdom and being measured and thoughtful is never as interesting as being extreme and having secret knowledge, which I could yeah. get into a whole thing about that about. Why is it that evangelicals seem to be so let's let's ready. transition? <laughs> We're thirty minutes in on politics. Well, we have another we have another transition. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Which is you know Dan, which great. I love how if you guys noticed Dan can't help but almost pop, pop, like host. host. Nate hadn't talked for a while, and I Dan's do it all like, the time. "Hey Nate, let's hear about Nate's opinion." <laughs> I know I can't it's, it's help precious. it. It's precious. I do precious. it on other. I do it whenever I'm a guest. It's it's kind of a vice. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's a, it's very good. That's cool. We uh, we like to. <laughs> to do something to honor all of our guests, uh, you are a multi-talented guy. You're still making a living making music. You're from a band called Sherwood that people can go listen to. That was very yep. good. And you are making a lot of podcasts, and you're studying uh, psychology. All very interesting. Yep. And so we always write a haiku, each one oh, of us, for every guest. Fantastic. Um, I love this little Just wrinkle. sort of to get, <laughs> to get our head around you a little bit. Um, and to really and jump the, into the conversation. Yeah, know, at the 30-minute <laughs> mark, you want to kind of dive in <laughs> with both it's feet. Very, Great. Uh, these, yeah. these run four the hours, just so you know. Done. <laughs> um, we, and we can come back to Trump whenever it feels right. But um, but uh, you just, have to I, rate them. Let's just and not. We, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I have to rate. <laughs> we're, oh, it's a it's a competition. It's a haiku competition. Yeah, we're, I'm, we're competing. I'm the yeah, sole judge. Right. Yes. Okay. Judge however you deem you know appropriate. Yeah. All right, I'm it's stretching very, out. It's I'm very ready. liberal. We, we're giving ourselves a lot of artistic room here. So it's I don't not know five seven five. No, uh, no, it is. It five, is. Well, yeah. okay. We do have that set of rules. Okay, yes. that the five seven five syllable rule. That's, that's a okay. five seven five, and then Dan Coke. Those would be the two rules. For it's this a haiku one. challenge without the five seven five uh, <laughs> meter. <laughs> Yeah, we actually. Say, what kind of fucking haiku is yeah. this? <laughs> we uh, we actually we actually We're just had say um, words at you for a little bit. Yeah, and you yeah. tell us if you'd like. We it had or our not. we had our friend on a few weeks ago who is um as of partial Asian descent. And he got convinced we were only doing it because he was Asian. No. And that we wouldn't. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> we <were> like, <laughs> he was like, you're really going to do this? <laughs> like, no, no, we do it with everybody. No, no. Uh, oh, my God. Dan, I'll, I'll let you okay. pick who goes first, Dan. Uh, I want to start with Nate because he's spoken the least. Okay. All right, here we go. I'm going to get myself psyched up a little bit here. <sighs> oh, there's, there'll be music. There's a lot of post-pro that goes in here. Oh, good. Right the post-pro, that's important. Really, really, like, stick some steroids in it. You know? A man and his bands outside in the middle of the night. Now it's podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the last line was only four syllables. So, oh, yeah. Uh, the the word night runs over. Oh, gotcha. Middle which of is, the is night. something uh, I've ridiculed Jeremiah for. But yeah, I've, I'm docking you at least a point for that. Yeah, it's a, it's that, kind of like a it's kind of like a math rock fair. choice, you know. It's super fair. I'm very it's disappointed like, that you, that you turn it, it into a this. scat, really. It's the poetic version of like three over four. Like it feels like a different time signature than it's actually right. in. Yeah, I, okay, I'm good. not proud of it. At this all. was a hard one. This is a hard one. This is th I. I will say but you can. Can I give well, a little? Can I give a little poem criticism as we go along? Yeah. Man, yeah. Oh yeah, please. It. So Nate, my problem with your haiku is that <laughs> I understood 
and appreciated your quoting the lyric from the chorus of one of the popular Sherwood songs outside it's, in the middle of yeah, the night. It's maybe the only one I know, but okay, <laughs> way to show your cards. <laughs> but it did not relate to anything else in nope. the haiku. Nope. It was a non sequitur. Yeah. Which is fine if if you just are like, oh, I gotta, it I was gotta fucking to the finish on that. One. Yes. Yep. But, I gotta but suck Nate's... up and finish this thing because the episode's gonna start. <laughs> but okay, you, fine. But you know, hey, man, you really have nailed him. Like nailed him perfectly. Oh, yeah. uh, but I will also say that pandering is like Nate's number. There's no hidden thing about but that. It like, ties that is in. His... That's his point, though. This it, is it, this easily. Is I, like... I was gonna wait for a rating, but this is 100% easily the worst haiku I've ever written. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, this is thank, thank you. No, it's not your <laughs> fault. It's my fault in, because I forgot Nate's... to write it and I wrote it like D- Dan, two minutes if, before this Dan, started. If, sounds like if it. you, yeah, Dan, if you were more inspiring, it might have been better. But I will exactly. say that that Clearly, Dan's reaction you have permission has not reached Nate. <laughs> no, I've never. I, I don't even know what it. I mean, I know what it is. Podcast. So you you go. know one Sherwood song. You've never listened to a podcast. That's why know, you didn't talk know, for twenty uh, minutes. I, you don't I, give a shit about okay, me. Okay. <laughs> I uh, I heard that one re- the record that Goldman mixed. I heard that a lot. Just oh down yeah, something yeah. Oh, he's so good. Yeah. Oh, I, Goldman. Yeah. Ah, sure. He's a kiss. he's a close. That wafted. He's down a close friend of all of ours. Into my oh, mixing room, and yeah. I heard so I heard that you know that over and over and over and over and over. Man, again. I will say this about Goldman in his mixing because I know he was also on the show. Uh. I will say that I think that that Goldman mixed record, which we did for one third the budget of our two like full budget records, the ones on MySpace, the Different Light mm-hmm. and Q, I think that that Goldman record sounds better or as good as either of those. And that's Lou Giordano who did Atari's and Taking Back Sunday, and it's Brad Wood who did Me Without You and Sunday Day Real Estate and Pete Yorn. And Goldman just getting, you know, paying his bills on hardcore, and then you give him an emo <laughs> rock record, and he fucking slays. Right. I just have think you ever got to hang so out with him, good. Dan? I've never met him in person. I'd love to. Oh, he's yeah. one of the most thoughtful. Like he's the least hardcore. We've done all of That's our all of our records with him, and Nate oh, co owns cool. the studio with him now. So oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I will also say that Dan's the listener can't hear this, but Dan's response in mid reyes of your of your haiku might have been one of the strongest i've seen to to a poem so <laughs> it's such a bad haiku i deserve the worst score <laughs> nate uh, i'm i'm just i'm waiting for you to tell me how you're going to make it up to me all right jeremiah let's hear yours all right wait you got to rate him first you got you got to rate him first oh i rate him i don't get to hear them no. all three yeah no Mm-mm. so you got to make a dis- you got to make a stand what's the rating Ta- scale you, however you, you want to do it okay on a scale of five to seven syllables, <laughs> I give Nate's a five. Fair enough. I would take any rating for this. Five is the lowest, haiku. Nate. Yeah. That's the lowest. That's, that's like a zero. Of- okay. I win the haikus almost every week, so I'm going to be okay with it. Okay, right. good. That's, I'm glad to present a counterpoint. All right, yeah. Jeremiah, let's hear it. Okay. Faith and politics. Ne'er the twain shall meet or merge. Challenge accepted. <laughs> oh gosh, but they do meet and merge. Is I the know. problem? Well, you you have done it. We'll get to that part of it. But yes. Oh, I oh I see. You're saying you you, you might have heard that never yes, the twain right. shall meet, 
but I accept your challenge. Oh, that's challenge good. Accepted. Okay, I'm gonna give you a six point five from a five to seven. Ooh, okay. Just because I, I want to give Nate a, a chance here. Sorry, Aaron. It needed an explanation Aaron. too, which is not good. <laughs> that's not good. No, 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 no. I I misunderstood you. That I I I would say that's on me. All right, I want to give Aaron. A, I'm I'm leaving enough room for Aaron to win, <laughs> but I really did. Now that I understood it, I really like that. Okay, let's hear. it. Okay, so I promised my wife I would say we really appreciate your podcast. It's been a don't a, fucking a butter me up. I had this whole thing and I was like, you know what? I'll wait until <laughs> this is. I did the exact opposite of buttering. Listen, up. Yes, you, you may Nate, hate me, but uh, Nate goes to five point five <laughs> just from that. Okay, he's at five point five, so you Nate, could still get. You last. may hate me. You may hate me for it, but I, but my my cuddles are assured. You know, I got to keep the main thing the main thing. All right, here we that's go. That's good. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. My own research shows Soren is a robust age. Yep, that's a bingo. Uh, okay, I'm giving you a six. The The prize goes oh. to Jeremiah. Just because you name drop my son, that's not enough. <laughs> I think Jeremiah really kind of got I, his I, mind around it best. I literally played You Have Permission Bingo, and I lost. Yeah, but <laughs> the bingo thing, okay, are you... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. The bingo thing is good. If you said folks, then like <laughs> you, you, you would have gotten half a point, right? Here's the problem. Well, now, it, I'll just say that now Jonathan Height was going to take Aaron, up too many then syllables. Jeremiah will be sad. That's Jonathan Height is four. Oh, that would. But see, it was costly. Know, it was Jonathan costly. Height. And and he, and here's the real I was problem. I to think of how to oh. sneak in like elephant and the man. Like no, no. Here's the real. Here's and... what killed me. <laughs> Re- religious scrupulosity is eight. So I couldn't religious get it in. Scrupul- you know. Oh, that's well, good. That would have nailed it. If you could, it's could've... one too many. That's really it's hard. It's one too many. It's true. Could have pulled a eight. No, it's yeah. true. That is. I don't hard. know any. I mean, this is all so inside baseball for yeah, this podcast that I don't never heard before. So, so. I'll get. Well, I'll so get here's. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I got I have to explain to people who are listening. So, what you guys are doing here is riffing on some of the themes in our "You Have Permission" Facebook group. And so, part of me, though I recognize that I don't know that I want to reward that because that's like so niche. Yeah. Well, right? you were mad at Nate for not pandering, and now I pander. No. I, I was I, mad I, at you Nate know, for not pandered. preparing. Yeah, that's, <laughs> Nate, that's fair. Nate fucking winged it, and that's not how you write haikus. That is not how you honor a podcast guest, Nate. That's no, no, no. true. I have yeah, one with completely winged, uh, wonged. Is that how, how we're going to say it? You've got 17 know. syllables, Nate, okay? Yeah. Economy is the name of the game. You got to think about it. That's why I. That's why Nate got the negative score. Aaron, I did like that. I'm just going to give Jeremiah the half point, uh, ben, uh, you know, I'll benefit there. And I feel like if you hadn't said my wife and I love the podcast, you might have tied. Ooh. But it's just a little too much brown nosing, you know. Well, yeah. to be honest, you know, it, it's good for the bass player to get the win, you know, every so often. So <laughs> sometimes you, know, you got to, even though I think that's a, a six string guitar in the background of your. No, oh, Jeremiah! No, no, I mean, player. Jeremiah. I see, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah. you do. You really got to give now. In Sherwood's case, the bass player was the singer, so he got all the attention <laughs> that he wanted. But yes, you're right. You got to give the bass player. Yeah, throw him a bone every once in every a while. Every once in a while. But I, I do appreciate it. And please tell your wife that I said thank you. Or yeah, yeah. My, my wife said that too, Dan. Oh, thank you. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I said I appreciate Nate, it. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I'll give I'll give my insider baseball to. 
to well not the insider baseball just the background here so dan i first came across you on probably the bad christian podcast uh you were a i would say a regular a semi-regular yeah i think i'm a regular for a little while or still you are i i I have yeah i mean i i think it's been a little while but every few months well, Four or five months, I'm probably on there. Yeah, you didn't stick. They're out not for enemies. A while. I'm really bad at distinguishing voices on there, and that's all you get is voices on podcasts. That you didn't stick out for a while, but then um, you did. It might have been that or password no answers. You did a um, a hell versus universalism versus uh, annihilationism debate with the guy from uh, Rethinking Hell. Yeah, with Chris Tate. Yep. Yeah, and then I can't remember the guy for um that that was there. He's been on a couple times that that did the uh Eternal Conscious Torment uh ver- uh thing. And it was the first mm. time first of all that that uh I was able to kind of distinguish you from the other guests and uh and was like, "Man, I really like what he's saying." So I went back and listened to like all the episodes with you and then I think the next time you were on, you announced Depolarized. Which, yeah, so 2016, yeah. Yes, which was your, I believe, your first podcast, at least the first one I was aware of. Yeah, it's the first, well, technically I did one for my old band, Pacific Gold, that was like about our album. But yeah, oh, okay. that was that was like, you know, a track per, or episode per track, and then it was over. So Depolarized was the first, like, proper podcast, yes. yeah. Which that was, was September, I think, of 2016. Which was, well, throwing back to, like, one of the first things you said to to a joke I made here, which is like, the whole purpose of it was to find common ground, right? Between mm-hmm. the, if you want to really generalize it to find common ground between the right and the left. Um, and then season two was like all about what do we do with this Trump thing and evangelical voters, which is yeah. fascinating. So that's why we'd spent half an hour talking about politics was because, Oh yeah. It, it, it I figured. It, yeah. For yeah, people yeah. It, well, and for people who don't know who you are, that's a, if, if you were interested in the intersection of faith and politics, it's, the best podcast I know of to go listen to. I don't know if Dan, you have oh, any thanks, other thoughts man. on that, but I think it was fantastic. I was hoping it would kind of revive uh, for this election cycle because I don't know how. Did to you think about that. it? Yeah, I did think did about, think about it. it I, yeah, I did. Uh, I, I appreciate that. There, I don't know that there are. I don't. I'm not aware of. I'm sure they exist like dedicated podcasts that are really just about that kind of overlap. Mm -hmm. But there are like, I have definitely found a number of very good episodes, you know, Mm -hmm. around that. My, my, uh, my buddy, John Ward, who does the long game, he's a Yahoo news senior correspondent. He will do faith related stuff, maybe every four or five episodes. And he Mm -hmm. does a fantastic job. Just the week of the election, I re aired one of his episodes because I thought nobody wants to hear (laughs) <laughs> whatever I'm going to talk about the day before the election. I think I was right. And uh, just so just played a, a fantastic recent episode of his. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I forgot the question. Well, it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't a question. You were kind of filling in the gaps on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, oh, which, oh which I had is... thought about. Re- yes, I had thought about resuming it uh, for me. Podcast or sorry, politics. Getting my P.O. words mixed up. For me, politics is is pretty anxiety-producing, especially around Trump. And if Trump's not around, my interest level plummets. Mm. Um, <laughs> like, I, I'm just not – that's not the thing that I like. Right. I like uh, I like movies. I like theology. I like 
thinking about people's life stories and their narratives and like where they're going. And, you know, obviously I'm studying to become a psychologist. I like, you know, working towards personal health and mental health and, you know, politics is like, uh, I, I, I have friends who I greatly respect who are very interested Mm -hmm. in the sort of to and fro of that world. And I'm just not one of those people. Mm -hmm. I got involved because I was alarmed about Trump and I thought, well, here's something that I can do. I've sort of been moderating these conversations on my own mm-hmm. personal Facebook page. Maybe I could do that with audio. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a good learning experience. And well, I, I guess learned it, a ton. Was, it was your coping tool. It was. It was a coping tool for me. And when I have anxiety about something, one thing I will do is learn a shit ton about it. That's one of the ways that I can deal with it. And I did that with, for instance, the end times, end times mm-hmm. theology. Uh, in college when that was really causing me a bunch of had been causing me a bunch of anxiety for almost a decade at that point. And I learned a ton and that helped me. Uh, and so that's, that is a coping mechanism of mine. That's true. Very astute of you to say that Aaron. And, uh, I will now I don't have to cope with anything. I mean, like (laughs) at least for now, Yeah. like my view is like, until there's someone else like Trump, who's, primary either goal or primary consequence of their involvement is to be a bull in a china shop Mm -hmm. and sort of destroy everything i'm happy to let the system do what the system does Mm -hmm. i'm happy to have three or four friends who are tuned into politics and i'll tell them explicitly let me know when i need to know about something (laughs) you like this stuff i'm Mm -hmm. not gonna like tell me and i'll and then i'll read up if I need to show up at a protest or call my senator about something, like, tell me, and I'll do it. And then I'm going to save 1,000 hours until <laughs> then, and I'm going to put it towards stuff that I actually care about, basically. That's yeah. my plan. I literally, I've already taken Facebook and Twitter off my phone. I plan to purge my, once, like, Trump concedes or it's clear what this is, how this is all going to end, I'm going to unfollow all my politics people on twitter it's going to be theology movies and jokes and you know like that's where i'm at i'm just like i, I think will, you're speaking nate's you know? language now like i can see I can. yeah nate <laughs> let's let's jam on it okay well i definitely get the impression that depolarized took it my guess would be it took 50 percent at least more work than the other two well, in a sense, so some of that is just uh, the mechanics of making a show. So mm-hmm. uh, Depolarize, I had a I had a co-host for the second and third episode, Ellen, mm-hmm. or second and third season, sorry. And so I would have to put something together, and then I would play that mm-hmm. in the room, and then we would respond on mic in the room. It was just a lot more work. And yeah. once I started grad school a little over a year ago, uh, and Jaffrey was pregnant, my wife. So I knew that like that was just not in the cards anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have permission needed to be basically a, a, a interview show, like one guest. Occasionally it'll be two shorter interviews that will make one episode, but it's the same amount of work for me basically. Mm-hmm. And I just, that was, you know, other than a couple of these longer, these mini series that I've done around like end times and mental health. And then I did a follow up with some baby boomers about uh, what made end times popular to their generation. And I have a couple other ideas for some of these 
like more mini series, but I, I just have to space them out mm-hmm. mostly for time purposes. You know, it's yeah. not like I have a lot of ideas and if I had all the time and money in the world, I would do more of them. Uh, but you know, having an infant and mm-hmm. grad school and then keeping up my, my day job is more like a part-time job in terms of time, but that still takes time, you know, yeah. so it's just so many it's hours. It's impressive, man. It's, in, it's impressive what it, from the outside, what you're pulling off, you know, with all, with podcasts and music and school and a new baby. I think it's pretty cool. A side note, Ellen saved that show, by the way. Oh, uh, I love that's that's I, like awesome to hear. I, I uh, think it was time, right? I, I for something. It, by the way, I would have continued to listen because it was the first time in my life where I was actually starting to pay attention to politics, and it was a really helpful yeah. tool for me to kind yeah. of get introduced to the language and understanding it. Uh, I personally loved the addition of Ellen, but um, I uh, was going to say you brought up the the end times thing a couple times, and I'd love to send a second on that because. I am starting to believe that that may be some of the most important stuff that of all the podcasting and things that may come out of all of it. As far as like long-term stuff, um, it's something that my well, wife like for the, for the listen, for the listeners ahead. and Nate, can you, can you kind of nutshell? I, well, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to Nate. Zinging me. Nate doesn't know shit. <laughs> we can talk about movies and then I'll know we, we more will. than All these right, two Nate, goofballs. Boogie Nights, go. No, I'm <laughs> Boogie Nights. Um, Not my favorite no. P.T. Anderson movie. But oh, hot take. <laughs> top five P.T.? Sure, yeah, P- top five yeah. for sure. Top three P.T.? Um, maybe. I have, I'd have. i have to think about it. Uh, there really Will Be like Blood. There Will Be Blood, yeah. I, then where I do you go? I am insanely into uh, Phantom Thread. That I've, I've, I'm like obsessed okay. with that movie. Okay. Um, it that flew under everyone's radar. No, I, I liked it. I need to see it again. I need yeah, to see I've it Yeah, I've seen a it like time. three times now, and yeah. it's like just climbing. Right now, it's probably my yeah. number two. Okay. So, good. so the the context here before we jump into the end times <laughs> yeah, is okay. Jer- Jeremiah hipped me to, to your stuff, and it and uh, at a time when I was you know in process, and it was really helpful. Nate's way ahead of us. He already went to an insanely conservative, charismatic school. He deconstructed and reconstructed a decade ago. Is that it's just true? not on his radar. Yeah, pretty so, much. I, before it was like was, a thing that I, I mean, I went to like this uh, Assemblies of God school, and yeah. I, I wasn't raised in an Assemblies of God like church environment. Yeah. So when I went to the school, it was like this jarring uh, like culture shock moment. And I just didn't want anything to do with it. So, yeah. as we would say now, there was a lot of deconstruction. Um, but I didn't. There wasn't any. It wasn't that, what, that. that word, right? Yeah, yeah, it didn't exist then. It was mostly just like, okay, I'm gonna quit school and be in a band and tour, and I'm not gonna have to worry about this stuff. It's pointless. So <laughs> we would, we wow. we the rest of the band has been together for like 15 plus years. Okay. Um, and Nate joined four years ago. Okay. It was interesting to have him come into the fold as we were processing and growing. We we, we actually went to uh, a very evangelical conservative college that's embarrassing to mention. Um, <laughs> Liberty? Where, where, yeah. where they may, yeah, where they may have recently, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> that's the only and, uh, one that you would say is embarrassing <laughs> yeah. to mention. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I never want people to know. But we would be in the in the van on these bigger tours and stuff and, and we were processing stuff. Nate's kind of famous uh, quote would be, we'd be talking about something and nate's like what what's that conversation you're talking about like angel dust i'm out on that like that's just <laughs> angel nate's like, dust I'm, he'd be like i'm out on that i'm out on that oh i'm out on that yeah that's <laughs> yeah. good
Hey guys, this is just a quick interruption to invite you to check out The Epicenter. The Epicenter is our Patreon-based online community. If you're enjoying this podcast, you should check it out because there's a ton more content just like this. There are three different tiers with tons of other perks, like exclusive music, video content, and merch, with more being added each month. And it's all built around a Discord server where we hang out and keep each other encouraged and inspired. Additionally, there are bonus episodes of Between the Notes each month available only to Patreon members. Right now, patrons have access to a whole series of episodes we are doing on our 2010 album yet. It's a track-by-track breakdown where we discuss the writing, recording, and inspiration behind each song. To hear those conversations and get a ton more awesome content just like it, maybe take a minute and go check out The Epicenter over at patreon.com slash The Epicenter. Now back to this week's episode. Okay, can I actually, before we go into the end time stuff, can mm-hmm. I ask you guys a question about this? Because sure. yeah. I think that uh, things have changed since we were on the road. I'll just use on the road as like a a shorthand for like doing the, the band thing actively. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So about 10 years probably separates our band's careers. And when we were on the road uh, and making records and, you know, doing it full time, uh, there was not a lot of this stuff going around. Like we we were one of those bands that tried to be like Christians in a band, not a Christian band. Like that was kind of the common sort of um, separation that was made with language. Uh, But there was, you know, there was no liturgist podcast. There was no. I, I read the first Rob Bell book, Velvet Elvis, mm-hmm. like halfway through our touring years. Um, and that was like a mind-blowing book to me. Uh, but it was just not, it was a different situation. So you had Christian bands, most of whom the individual members wished that they were in regular bands, general market mm-hmm. bands. Uh, but it wasn't this... There was no sort of theological angle. Maybe that's the way of putting it. That was sort of overlaid. People weren't talking about LGBTQ affirmation or mm-hmm. universal salvation or anything like that. Like I was reading about that stuff. And when I would bring it up to people, they were like, what the hell are you talking about? Basically. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, like how that's changed now. Like, I don't know a lot about where, like, I don't know what label you guys are on or what sort of, uh, market your band is geared toward. Uh, I apologize for not knowing that, but just is if there's anything about like y- how that's shifted, I'm I'm just very curious yeah, to know so, about that. So and say we Nate's, both you know, and th- that <laughs> question would pertain really well to us, I think. Yeah, I so our 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 sound is like if you were to to mix like post rock elements with like the Deftones and some some vibey stuff too. Like it's yeah. it's aggressive. It's aggressive and it's it's spacey, um, and we have we have been the odd man on a hardcore label for a long time because we okay. I sing and I have a high girly voice, uh, but we managed to find an audience. I, I actually think we're pretty close in age, Dan. I just went to college and grad school before we t- toured at all, so yeah, we sure. we were sort of when we were on the road when we first started getting signed and touring, we would we were all like twenty five, twenty six, and we were out with twenty year olds, you know. So yeah. it, it so I I very much remember exactly what you're talking about. I feel like the difference is, is before it was such a hard in or out. Like, is that band Christian or are they not? Um, yeah. And I feel like there's still a remnant of that when you go, you know, it's just like weird for me to, to realize that some churches are still arguing about drum sets, like whether they can have one, but that, that it's still <laughs> happening yeah, in you pockets. Find it here and there. But right, we, yeah. 
but we've mostly most of the last uh most of the last we didn't really have any modicum of sex success until 10 years ago and even then it's just enough for us to get to do what we love um yeah. but most of That's our tours have been at either yeah yeah which is all you know i don't need more thank thank the lord but um, in fact i can mo- i can put a story on it if you want real quick yeah. you sure. guys will appreciate this maybe more than your listeners so we toured for 10 years I made $7,500 at the end of our Reliant K 75 show opening slot in 2007. I put it into mutual funds. One year and three months later, if you know your U.S. history, the uh, economic crash happened. (laughs) (laughs) That was down to about $3,800. Uh, uh, two year, one year after that, November two thousand nine, I got married, and I had enough money to buy my wife a twelve hundred dollar. Oh, bless her heart for only asking for a twelve hundred dollar engagement ring or wedding ring, and I paid for our honeymoon, and I was at zero. <laughs> oh man! The most money I ever made my best year in Sherwood was twenty three thousand dollars, and most years were more like twelve to sixteen. And, yeah, we, we, but we I didn't would call that bills. a raging success. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah. I didn't have bills. We lived yeah. with our parents. Our band paid for our cell phones and health insurance. So twelve grand mm-hmm. got me through most years. Yeah, I would occasionally take a trip to Europe or New York or something if we had a break, and I just didn't save anything mm-hmm. and started fresh yeah. at twenty six, well, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, our that goal's always just been to get to. to you can relate to all yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> starting at yeah, zero. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, yeah, you can. We we yeah. we we've been we we haven't toured with Blank K. I'll say that. But our music, we've never written to be, we've never tried to or been able to be terribly poppy. But I, I feel like we're hitting our stride yeah. more than ever. So you know, we just get to keep doing what we love. But to answer your question, I feel like now because of all the deconstruction reconstruction, even though I still think there is that audience who wants to know, are y'all Christian band or not? Like, um, it's reduced it's, though. Mm-hmm. But I feel like now it's more of a it's more it's more of a spectrum. Like people understand yeah, yes, because yes. our last two records sense. were in and we did two EPs together back to back. And the first one was about doubt and struggle. Um, yeah. and, uh, it was called Ultraviolet. And then we did the next one, which was about like grief and anger. Um, and we have you know, I think early in our career we were younger. We had like really I wrote a lot of on the nose stuff that found an audience because. I did a really good job, you know, and and you and so, Dustin Kensrue both. No, uh, uh, for sure, he's just right? way more successful at, at it. But <laughs> but earlier he's super on the nose. Yes, he's super it's on very the nose, similar, right? Very and similar. then he gets more also, and more. Also, yeah. Also, mm-hmm. yeah. Also, not a bad reference. We've, uh, I think, the best burn we ever got on Facebook. Uh, not that we've got a lot of bad press. Was we got called Diet Thrice, which I thought <laughs> Diet was hilarious. Thrice. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, a yeah, nice yeah. Little it's, it's alliterative. The it's the best one. It's yeah. the best burn we've ever got. Other Internal than that, in, there. Yeah. in a review once, I was called a a eunuch voiced, eunuch voiced Aaron Stone, which I it's just this killer. I think it's killer. You should say, way, hey man, let me tell you about a little band called Seosin. It's yeah. it's yeah. Not, by the way, it's a higher voice. It's not like it's not even that. It's crazy. That, yeah. Yeah. You, well, Seosin do, is just falsetto the whole time. I but. think that if well, somebody I, calls a singer a eunuch. It says more about the reviewer than the singer. Let's just yeah. say that. Yeah, what's sure. his it's issue, just, man? It's what's just his strange is- writing? Yeah, it is. he listened to my music and thought about the existence of my testicles. Like it that is, it's his it issue. It doesn't quite flow off the tongue the way Diet Thrice does. I would <laughs> turn it into a T-shirt. I would actually, dude. Oh my gosh, guys! If I were you, I would make a Diet Thrice and then my epic T-shirt. <laughs> Quotes, um, quote, quote Diet Thrice. 
maybe on the yes. back. I don't know how yeah. you want to do it, but like lean into it. That's yeah. great. There, I think the, it could work. <laughs> to, do that. to to finish the the, the point though. I like Sorry. we we moved we moved out. Of, no, I love it. We moved out of like we, it's been a long time since we did anything like you know there used to be you could tour the whole all the youth group rooms or you could play right. you know you could play yeah. bookers that would book sh- church shows and that has gone away. Uh, that's the local oh, scene also has gone away because everything's moved to bedroom producing. When we when we were touring even four years ago on a headliner wouldn't be any problem finding openers. Um, and now we get told by booking agents like, "Hey, there's not local bands," and I they're still making music. They're just not congregating the way they used to. So the whole scene is so live different. locally or whatever. Not as much. I think it's coming back. Um, Especially they're releasing. Are, they're weird. just releasing tracks on SoundCloud, is what you're saying. They're SoundClouding, yeah. So yeah. there is a common space, but it's not in. It's not visceral. It's not physical. So yeah. But I do feel no. like it's more of a spectrum. Like we'll go on tour with a band where, you know, that band used to be Christian and this band never was. And this band, everybody knows half yeah. the guys are and half the guys aren't. And everybody's like one of our best friend bands is a, a pretty successful. They kind of sound, they're called Silent Planet. They kind of sound like a metal band mixed with me without you. I love um, Silent Planet. Yeah. Okay. They're really good friends of ours. And we've, uh, yeah, we hang out with them a lot. Tell and, um, Garrett to respond to my DM. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to come on the show. Yeah, that sounds I'll about text right. Text him real quick. <laughs> that sounds, that I mean, sounds I'm right. I'm not mad at him or anything, but I do but follow we, him on Twitter. Yeah. And he's got some interesting with, ideas. We, we toured with them a lot. And I feel like okay. when we're on tour together, it's a really good vibe because everybody is, everybody is really, authenticity is so highly valued mm. and honesty and process. Um, and, you know, and I just I feel like that's very different than it was twelve eight years ago or, or ten yeah. years ago when it was like, is he gonna right now preach the gospel? I know. Or is he yes. not? The that anxiety of the okay, I have two thoughts and I wanna know what you think about them. My first thought is that the shift away from labels as gatekeepers mm-hmm. and towards something like the really the, the democratization of gatekeepers, but including things like Spotify playlists and whatever your friend like like that democratization is one thing that has made that sort of, I don't know, like, like I remember Cold War kids who were massive and blowing up during our years that we were a band. And we hung out with, they opened for us before their first record came out at some weird church. And then three years later, they're playing on this big stage at Lollapalooza. And we only got on because MySpace, you know, paid somebody to have us there. Uh, and they never got a pitchfork review. Like they were shut out because they went to Biola, uh, Bible Institute Mm. of Los Angeles. That Mm. shit is just over. Like Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. no one cares what Ryan from pitchfork thinks anymore. It's more like, will you be on one of these 100 Mm -hmm. influential Spotify playlists or something? That's my first thought. And my second thought, Oh, is I that, will say I will pause you there and say yeah. that Spotify is the new gatekeeper. Yes. Um, and, okay. And if, but it's if Spotify not, playlists. They don't care about the labels of if you're Christian. No, you're right. Or not. They don't care about that. They, mm. But but well, right. There still is influence in in who they pick. I mean, we're able to we're able to get into some because of a certain okay. amount of influence. But yeah, it's it's yeah. still who they who, what label they can, is their success. There's a lot of things involved. But yes, you're right. It's less so than the days when it was like, oh, you're on merge, you're in, mm-hmm. like. Right. Or you're on Epitaph, you're in. Like, that's not really what it is anymore, as far as I can tell. Well, there's been the, enough under oaths and MXPXs making enough money for enough right. people that they were like, hey, we could we could find money anywhere. So. Well, and even the way that, like, I was looking at Apple Music 
uh, I think I'd had a, <laughs> I don't really drink that often anymore, but I've been drinking today and now this is a drinking story, but I just want to be clear. <laughs> but I think I'd had a couple drinks and I was like, it might've been after Biden won. I don't know. But I was like looking on, I use Apple music instead of Spotify. Cause we have a family plan with a buddy. And, uh, I was like curious about the Christian like curated playlist, like purely curious. But the phrasing around it was completely neutered theologically. It was like sometimes you need an uplifting song to get your soul moving. And I was like, oh, like Apple doesn't give a shit about if these songs are about Jesus. Like it's a commodity mm -hmm. and they don't care. They are not here to police who's in or out because well, the, they're the, religious or not. You know what I mean? Well, the Christian bookstore hard gate disappeared. Right. So there's no one. Right. They don't, they don't the have to, they don't have to cross that gone. bar. Yes. It doesn't exist. So doesn't th exist. that's not keeping anyone out. Totally. Nate, I, I would love to hear Nate's thoughts on this because he produces a bunch of records every year and, and deals in both. You definitely were onto it with the Spotify thing. I mean, even with our own label, um, which is a small California label called Face Down Records, um, but even with our own label, like when, when our last record came out, we did end up hitting a bunch of good playlists and it was like huge. We doubled our monthly yeah. listeners essentially. Um, but our good friend Shane, who I produced his record and have been super involved with like the whole process of it getting released, but it's like no, no playlist, pick it up. Um, and there's no reason like it, it, it's really hard because like that gatekeeping thing still feels super real, but it's not it's like the label thing didn't even really matter. The label is not. Yeah, it's like it's its own new gatekeeping system that mm -hmm. has its own metrics that don't well, necessarily hew to the same. But the way that lines. it does, the way that it does matter is what it comes down to for us and every band on our label is our label head talking to his contact at spotify and he's got to convince right. that guy to convince the playlist guy to put the song on okay right. so, but it's a little and so you've got you've got one the question of whether your label i think there i think there's a middleman well jeremiah i mean i don't want to get too inside baseball but i'm pretty sure like jason basically talks to the orchard and the sony people right and the orchard is huge they're like insanely mm. powerful and like huge for the streaming thing um, to the point where a lot of like, well, um, on another po on one of the bonus podcasts we did, we had that conversation with uh, Jesse Clawson, mm -hmm. right? And he was saying they skipped the label and went directly to to the orchard. And so it's like it's weird because it feels like I said the gatekeeping feels like it's still there. It's just yeah, it's totally shifted. And mm -hmm. in some ways, you have a better chance now to break. You don't right. you don't need a bunch of the the to pass but through a bunch of the gates, you know. Even even more inside baseball, the history of our band is 10 years ago on a lark, I didn't we did an acoustic EP in a down season and thought nobody would care about it. Who wants an acoustic EP from a pretty heavy band on a hardcore label? And right. as a lark on as a bonus track cuz I wrote it for a friend's wedding, I had done a version of the uh, Doxology acoustic. And we put it on there and people search for versions of the Doxology all the time and it's the only cover we've ever recorded. And it's by far our most played song. And then we had a song, an instrumental version of a kind of a groovy, vibey song that NPR has used a lot. And those numbers have gotten boosted. So when Jason goes to the Orchard and the Orchard goes to Spotify, our numbers are good. 
And then he plays them this very aggressive post-rock song, and they go, well, they've got good numbers, and this goes to this playlist. So we're actually getting the playlist right. we want, and our numbers look good, and they're a little bit steroided. Because of the doxology cover. Right. Which we never, which, which literally I was the least, most, it's, it's yeah. a one take. I you set up the it. mic and yeah. one took it. We just did it, didn't think it mattered, didn't think it would. So we were, we, wow. we were on tour years ago with, who at the time had become some of our biggest heavy heroes, Norma Jean. And none of, none of those guys except Corey are believers. And um, they were looking up the tour they had signed on that to. May not we were the, like, that may not still be true. And uh, or it may, may not, not be a true uh, statement. Just back in true the past. At the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But a bunch of the guys, yeah. well, they looked it up. They're like, oh, who's yeah. this band? Right. And they searched it. And the first song that comes up is acoustic. And they're like, why is this worship band on a, on a metal hardcore tour? And then they saw a slide like, oh, that's not them. But it, it's just... It's just so weird. It's but there yeah. are still gatekeepers, but it has changed so if, much. If Spotify starts allowing artists to have more control about like a profile, I wonder if that could really significantly change things. That's interesting. You, you have no control over your presence on Spotify. You have right. well, you have sorry, you have you can change your photo, right? And you can put a artist highlight, which is like this little button, you know. That nobody even really knows what it is. I don't think. I, I never look at the artist highlight of any artist I go to. Um, right. I think. I think the 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 UI and the way that art, Spotify presents artists is not great, and we have not set ourselves up well at all to work well on Spotify. So we did EPs forever, and our number one song is Doxology. It's like the, so uh, everything new that we've ever put out goes to the bottom of the list because EPs and singles go to the bottom. Right. And the first thing yeah. everybody hears is this acoustic cover. So if you're flipping through and you see all the list of uh, of similar artists and you just click the play button on our photo, you're going to hear yeah. this acoustic cover of Doxology and be like, pass, you know. Right. And it's like yeah. a terrible representation of what well, you do. It's, it's probably yeah. not a terrible representation, but it's. A, it's not a very accurate representation of, of the band. And so I think that's part of it. If anybody figures it out, man, like good on them, <laughs> you know, well, okay, I, we I, can, we can skip my second prompt. I'll just say it. And, and if you guys want, <laughs> you can text me later, but it's just that, um, the difference between 10 years ago and now, it seems to me, one of the differences is like the, uh, normativity of, a deconstructing or reconstructing Christian, a progressive Christian as still holding that Christian label in a way that like a progressive Christian in 05 was like, Oh, what Right? are yeah. you yeah. A, some weird Episcopal 100%. or something? <laughs> right. That's changed. And yeah. it seems 100%. like that's a, a generational shift in part. I think it seems to me. Are yeah. You guys, so maybe I that can though, lead us into whatever else you want to talk about. Is anybody seeing though a, progressive christian voice that is in a more reconstructive tone as opposed to a i think that's to come i think that's next i mean that might be wrong i might be uh projecting but i think that there's like now that trump is gone i think that uh wow I is guess he I don't know. Is he? Isn't he? Isn't he still going to be five percent? Dan told us it's point five percent chance. No, no, I, mean, I don't mean that. I just yeah, mean he's still going to have no, a loud voice. Sure, but like, uh, it just will carry ten percent of the weight that it carried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm and like your truth. S- stories about white evangelicals are the highest subscribers to Trump TV are just not going to crack the top of the headlines, right? Like, 
who cares? Like, mm -hmm. that's not the same as it being the president. So yeah. I think that that will fade from view. Uh, and so I wonder, I, I think, I have a gut feeling, and I could be wrong, that we are sort of collectively ready to turn a little corner there. Uh, also, these kind of ex-evangelical spaces have had a significant amount of time now, and they've had time to sort of like fold in on themselves and sort of implode, mm -hmm. so to speak. Not, not necessarily like they don't exist anymore, but like, you know, there was like a scandal with the liturgist Facebook and uh, there was some kind of blow up on Exvangelical and I'm not super aware of those things. I don't follow them, but I've heard them spoken about by people who do know. And like maybe, uh, well, and, and then of course I think that a purely cynical approach to meaning and, and transcendence is not sustainable. That's a, a that's a view I hold. And so if you combine all that, you end up with something like, well, maybe there's an opening for, you know, a bit of a transcendent include uh, kind of a, to use Richard Rohr's language of like, maybe that could become, have mm. some kind of purchase and a little bit of like capital, you know, in this world. That would be also awesome. Ar artists are also getting uh, smarter, I think, about how we're framing it, um, like learning yeah. from the mistakes. So for us, it's like, hey, this is what this record's about. And if you don't relate to it and you love the old stuff, then you have it. But this is yep. this comes from the same amount of authenticity that the thing you liked came from. Um, and honestly, and, and I'm sure you get this a lot, too. We get a ton of comments like hated the record when it came out, didn't like it. And then this happened and I needed it. And it's exactly what I now I totally get it. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. well, that's isn't that what artists are supposed to do. Like write what is yeah. is moving them and feels, you know, prescient. And that's at least what eunuch voiced artists are supposed to do. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, Dang. get in that, get in that chariot with Paul <laughs> and, or Peter or whatever that story is in Acts. Yeah. Get into the river. How, to come back to, to you so that we can interview you. Uh, okay. my, my thing is like looking at your life a little bit. Like I also own a small media company, make video for a living. Yeah. When I'm not doing the band, I kind of split time between both. Oh, that's right. We, we were supposed to talk about other creative projects. <laughs> yeah. Hour it's okay. 15 in. Yeah. It's, it's a long form, but, uh, I, you know, I, I also we do the podcast. I just had a baby two months ago. So I, how Congrats. are you? Thank you. And to you as well. Uh, how are you spinning all these plates, Dan? Like, I'm just maybe we'll edit yeah. this out. I'm just curious as to what no, your day freaking it. looks like. Like, what yeah, is your? No. How do you break it down? That's cool, actually. People don't ask me about that very often. Um, we, by the so, way, also we know we know Josh Gilbert decently well. Yeah, Nate Josh, made their, my editor. Yeah, well, yeah. Nate I made, made all their the household stuff. I do the household records. He produced all their records. So, oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Josh. Oh my gosh. He's so, so I know you're good. not editing, but beyond that, I'm I don't know the, the mystery. I don't know the mystery. Yeah, so, okay. Um, there are... So, breaking it down, there are two real income streams, uh, and one is uh, quite a bit bigger than the other. So, the main income stream comes from uh, the commercial music. And uh, these days, actually, currently, I'm in a crazy semester at grad school where I have not written a piece of music for my job in a month or two. 
and I don't have time and I'm working on homework on the weekends and I'm just I'm completely maxed out uh, other than the one podcast interview or so I do a week. I'm totally maxed out on school. That was not true last year. So I was, for instance, continuing. I was spinning all the plates. Um, but that the way that the commercial music thing works, it's actually different than video in the sense of uh, you make a video and then you don't you don't get to like resell the video later. It's like unless right. you're doing stock footage, you turn it in, you get paid and hopefully you get paid well for your time and your creative output. Music, grateful I'm grateful for the fact it, it's a longer ramp up because it, it takes time to start building up the payments for it. But once you get going, it's sort of self, you know, it, it keeps going for a while anyway. Eventually it'll drop off. Uh, but once a piece of music is done, it could theoretically be licensed 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so you are, know, you using, are you doing some like music bed or art list or something and your stuff's just I, I constantly there getting with, resourced? Right. I mostly work with Marmoset Music in Portland. And then I have okay. a couple other smaller companies that will use my stuff occasionally. Uh, and I and for those smaller companies, I will I will like pull tracks from the library and send them that I think will work, maybe work for the project they're working on. Uh, but I actually stopped doing custom composition uh, a few years ago. So I just I write songs and I, I have a library. It's now at I actually don't know the number, but I would guess it's something like a somewhere between 500 and 800 tracks that I've been building up over 10 years. And, you know, all of those are available to make money at some, at any point. And it's just a matter of if a company will find a use for them. And then generally that company takes half and gives me half. It's roughly like that. So that gives a lot of flexibility. I'm very grateful for that. And actually, Mm. even before school was crazy, that flexibility is why I was able to do the other podcasts because it was like, well, you know, Tuesday mornings I do interviews Thursdays. I got to edit this stuff or whatever. Like I can do that because I'm my own sort of boss. Uh, and so that's part of spinning the, the multiple plates is having that flexibility with the day job. But I did get to a point where I was kind of bored with the composition stuff. It is not as creatively fulfilling as making records. If you can imagine uh, and some of it is fun, uh, specifically the work I do with a couple of my buddies where we collaborate. Some of that is actually quite challenging and quite fun. And I will keep doing that sort of indefinitely, but you know, the bulk of the stuff I've written, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. I I'm, I'm more challenged by this work of becoming a psychologist. Uh, I think it uses more of my brain. I feel like I'm answering more than just your question at this point, but, um, that's kind of the as a, larger as a good picture. guest will. <laughs> yes, keep the conversation rolling. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a that's sort of a lay of the land. So the reason I'm able to spin plates, and by the way, I like spinning plates. Like once I'm a licensed psychologist with my doctorate, my plan is private practice, assessments on the side, writing, speaking, and podcasting, consulting with churches and other groups like i plan to spin plates in that season as well that's just something i've learned about myself i i like being a generalist i don't want to just do one thing for 40 hours a week i personally will get bored so i plan to continue that in whatever way makes most sense you know once i have that uh degree and 
am in that field. So were you saying that the goal, the, the end goal here is not to be just a counselor 40 hours a week? Not just, although a lot of people, very few people well, that, do 40 hours a week true. with clients. It's, it's draining. But it's yeah, like something 20, like 20. Like 20 yeah. yeah. Something like and 20 then and then just other stuff. Okay, gotcha. No, I would say it sounds- your average full-time therapist would do something like 30 hours a week, 30 oh, to 35 with clients. I think that's mostly – my dad's been a therapist for 40 years, and he's in the like 30, 32, 34 range. And then there's other sort of paperwork and other mm-hmm. stuff you have to do. But it I'll probably like you're do aiming more for- like 20 and then other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you're aiming just for thought leader, just in general, just thought leader straight yeah, out. Yeah, that's the- an interesting <laughs> term. Um, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Do you? Uh, I it's- hate that fucking term. But no, but there's – so – I, th- I okay. see it more that you're trying to say, here's what I've seen. And like that for, from my perspective, I've been like, I don't – I haven't thought of you necessarily as a thought leader, though I get where that's coming from. It's more like – you're introducing a lot of people to thoughts that are out there. Um, it, it's a thing that really – ha- it's a byproduct. You don't that. try to be it. Yeah. How is you don't that try different to be than it. thought leader, though, Jeremiah? Like, That's what, what I'm saying. A, it's it, oh, yeah. it's oh, a consequence. Saying, it's not aimed at. What is a thought leader? I mean I, I'm asking kind of rhetorically. I don't know. I you're having like, thoughts, and they're leading others. Yeah, it's happening a lot. I mean, Jonathan Haidt is a thought leader, and then – you're, sure. You're introducing people to these other guests and these other. Yeah, but at some point you become one yourself yeah. if you're influential enough yeah, and you have enough sure. of your own. You know, I love I that you've that, called yeah. yourself. You've called yourself out on how you'll ask a question and then spend twice as long answering it as the <laughs> the guest does. Which <laughs> yeah, I, I work on which that. I I like that because I think you're very thoughtful. And uh, my yeah. wife, you know, we'll have someone. Re- we, you know, just the way our journey has gone is we both have had a lot of D and reconstruction. But we've never walked away. We've never stopped claiming to be Christians. Yeah. Um, that's so. But often she'll have someone reach out, and it's like, oh, they're at the beginning and they don't know where to start. And one yeah. of the easiest places for her is to send them to your podcast. She'll say, oh, yeah. here's these three or four books. We could probably all like list a lot of the same ones. And then, yeah. and then she'd say, and this podcast, and just look for titles of episodes that look interesting. Yeah, look for you. something that's interesting, right? Yeah. No, so I appreciate thought leader that. Does, is cynical, but but it. it well, know. I don't. Yeah, I don't even know if it's. So, Jonathan Haidt's interesting. Jonathan Haidt is, yeah, he is a thought leader. He's he's like a prolific TED Talker, yeah. if you want to call it that. <laughs> like, TED Talker is almost just as good as thought leader, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's kind of a, it's what we're talking about, sure, right? Yeah. It's like, uh, is, has your TED Talk been viewed a million times? That's if you're a thought leader. <laughs> but... What he has done that I really respect is he sort of got both sides of it. So on the one hand, before he was famous, he just was a meticulous researcher. Mm -hmm. And he published peer-reviewed stuff. And before he had his first book, he had some articles that have now been cited a thousand times. And, you know, like all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And then... He also is a really good communicator, and he has that kind of adorable lisp, and uh, he's just very good at popularizing both his own work and other people's work, Mm -hmm. and he has no ego as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. And so he's able to kind of put all that together and just communicate uh, likely truths, you know, as far as we can tell, truths, to people in in really an ego-free way. I mean, he's... Mm -hmm. He's sort and of a hero. Controversial, like what could yeah. be controversial truths. Yeah. 
yeah, he he's really a hero of mine in that mm-hmm. sense, right? Like, uh, I think you there are people who are flashier than him. Uh, like Jordan Peterson would be an example. Um, I don't think Jordan Peterson is, you know, wrong all the time or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But man, he's got a lot more ego than Jonathan Haidt does. Mm-hmm. And therefore I trust Jonathan Haidt a lot more. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, if there's a role model, it's somebody like him. Although I just, I sort of doubt I'll be as prolific of, of a researcher as him, although it's not, it's not off the table. We'll see where things go after my dissertation. Uh, there's not a lot of people who are doing research on religious and spiritual abuse, which is what I'm going to focus on. And so that's possible. I'm interested mm-hmm. in yeah. in kind of really diving into that world. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I Yeah, thought leader. I don't like that. <laughs> I didn't mean to throw it twisted. No, it's no, it's good. It's good. It's just kind of like a. It's a lazy. No, you use it because it's used all the time. It's not. I'm not blaming you. It was it a joke, is, but yes. Well, yeah, it's a joke, but it's like a, it's funny because people. But throw it is that what happens around, when right? you when you write yes. a book and you speak yes. that it becomes people look to you. But I'm interested in what you grabbed onto there, like because I think this is also where we started about talking about. Trump and I'm not trying to return to that, but the concept of decency and and manner mattering, not just the facts. Right. Like you know, Jonathan Heights, uh, and, and to me, it's it makes total sense because when I'm hearing people who are saying, because I've heard the argument a lot too, you know, like I'm not trying to elect a, a pastor, I'm trying to elect a president. It's not about his personality; it's about his what he does. It's about how well he can lead. But as a person who is a Christian. Uh, and I would think a lot of people who aren't would use different language, but the same idea is like I I thought I was supposed to judge by fruit of the spirit. Like I don't right. know if I if that's not the the measuring stick that I'm using for measuring the people that I'm looking at. And that doesn't mean obviously that someone who's uh, a jerk is always wrong. That's not the right. point. Um, but coming back to 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 that being a measuring stick that we're using, and to think that maybe that's the election hinged on that thought for a lot of people, or at least a few people that I knew, which is five percent sure. or so of Republicans, you know, that and that was enough. I mean, mm-hmm. Hillary won by three percent and Biden's going to win by five ish. That's like, you know, two percent of Republicans switching over, uh, not in count, not counting the percent that sort of would would right. sort of switch back and forth and cancel each other out, which is some number mm-hmm. difficult to say. Um, but yeah, I, that's why I said to you that you should hug those people because, mm-hmm. uh, it's actually not that many. I mean, numerically, mm-hmm. right. In terms of the popular vote, like Biden's, the, the switchover was really good for Biden compared to the Obama votes that Hillary lost in like all the wrong places. And then Trump wins, you know, he wins despite losing the popular vote by almost three points. Biden wins the popular vote by about two more points, but it's more convincing because the the votes went in places that make mm-hmm. it more convincing, basically, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of random. Um, but, like, I actually think that the enduring lesson from this 2020 election is, like, actually not that much changed. And so if you know <laughs> someone who did change, give right. them a hug because mm-hmm. they're yeah. the unicorn. But I, do you not think there's something to be said for the fact that I'm sure that a lot of people that were dancing in the streets, you know, they were thinking about specific issues that may appeal to them. 
but I feel like the larger thing, that breath that you talked about of like, yeah, of that is just like we're not gonna have a president who's gonna refer to people as a shithole country, or yeah, like right. you know, or just talk we're about just a dead like person. Be in our lives and minds all the time, <laughs> just like you know, inserting himself into our thoughts via media companies daily. You know, just like oh, we could just have like a like possibly ineffectual regular president again <laughs> i could have a normal amount you know? of discontent towards politics like right just you know like just be normal we uh, used to not be we used to be able to not care and we had to no yeah. thank you yes it's kind of like that <laughs> well so that's funny that is funny I made a joke on twitter that like i can't wait i truly cannot wait to become a low information voter again which I don't really mean that I'm going to become a low in- I'll be a medium information voter and in fact through my friends that I trust as proxies I'll still probably be a fairly high information voter but it's not going to take that much time from me anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to obsess over it anymore. And yeah. that's the difference, right? And so Trump, you, you know, Trump time into 4 years. I think that's right. It down to. <laughs> just like you know, his all the care that I needed to give for a lifetime I just like crammed it in. Yes. His whole strategy was I will be maximally disruptive and maximally newsworthy all the time. And I will drive wedges between people anywhere I can. And that's how I'll win. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it sort of it worked in 2016 and it didn't work in 2020. uh, Thank the Lord. And I'm just tired. I'm just done. I mean, I'm just done with it. So we we, we all know that there's a threshold at which as a creator stress is helpful and there's a break point where it's not like and it's always to try to ride that line like if there's no finish line i won't finish it but if it's too much i'll get crushed how does how is that affecting you when so much of what you've been doing lately has been touching these things that are very anxiety potentially anxiety inducing for you is there a similar like threshold because you're putting so much time into uh i mean studying something that's forcing your brain to learn new things there's all there's creativity in almost everything you're doing right now it sounds like Mm. dan well, I mean, with school, you know, there are deadlines and assignment requirements, which is actually very helpful. Mm-hmm. And actually, in my own experience in grad school, it has been the assignments uh, through which I've learned more than the lectures and the class time. And so I'm actually grateful for that kind of structure. Um, you know, learn by doing, which was actually the official motto of my first undergraduate institution cal poly of san luis obispo uh california and uh we we made jokes about that when we were going there but uh so yeah and that's why i haven't started some of these more ambitious podcast projects that i've had because i know i can see that i might not cross the finish line and so just keeping it like a it's a it's one conversation a week that's very sustainable for me i never run out of people i'd like to talk to in fact i'm always behind on that you know so um yeah i guess that's i guess that's sort What's of what the i would key say to getting the interview dan getting the interview yeah oh i think it's telling them how many downloads you have yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think <laughs> is that, so it's just a quick email 
directly to them usually. Yeah. It's like, hey, we get this many downloads. Because and- our, so- our current method has been two very flattering guys and one who doesn't know who you are. And it's worked out really good for us. <laughs> That's not well, always I- the case. But. <laughs> Some, so you someone's got to play hard to get, Nate. <laughs> you didn't include your, when you reached out to me, you didn't include your numbers. That might have And I was us. like, well, it, it could have. Uh, and you also didn't say, hey, it's. It's Aaron and Jeremiah from the Patreon community, community which you could have said, which might have helped. I you didn't, didn't wanna, say that. You know, I didn't, uh, okay, that's so not Jeremiah. He's not going to mention the. My he's not going to mention the band either. Is, is yeah. Well, yeah. first of all, I, I don't want you to think I'm buying your. You know what I mean? Like, no, I wouldn't. You know, it's fine. But uh, I looked at your some of the people you talked to, and I was like, yeah, okay, sounds fun. And also the. The sort of differential angle of talking about creative stuff, which is not normally what people ask me about. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think, and this is kind of cynical, but you know, if I just say how many downloads it is, then it's like, this is worth your time. Right. And most people will say, okay, that's worth my time. Mm-hmm. You know, people have different incentives. They have uh, a, um, you know, they have a finite amount of time every week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, an hour and a half in the afternoon can, that's the end of your day and, yeah. you know, whatever. So I think there's that. Uh, back in the day when I was doing Depolarize and I would I would try to get, like, bigger guests, I don't really do that with You Have Permission. And there is some interesting, I think, interesting issues around that. Like, maybe it's ego and, and stuff like that. Like, I want to be, I think that I maybe want to be on par with my guests, which I think is unhealthy. But in Depolarize, I was trying to get bigger people, and I would, like, go to uh, triangulate.com, T-W-I, which would show who they're following on Twitter that I'm also mm. following, and I would list all the people that I had already interviewed <laughs> that they're following. So oh, it would, like, that's great, yeah. One little step you can do. Yeah. Uh, so you can take that as a little, you know, find out who they like, and if you've interviewed them, like, you know, mention that in the email. But uh, – um, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it's mostly I feel like, just like I feel like one of the things that you know you've done that is interesting to me is so many other podcasts that are long form, like your podcast. I I listen to them based on whether I'm interested in the interview. Yeah, uh, but right. with the yours, it's more the person. Yeah, yeah. Oh, with you're you, it's, usually it's, it's the guest. Usually it's the guest. For you, it's yeah. the topic because I trust that whoever you're bringing on is going to be. Well, I know that you're going to be thoughtful and ask well, your questions that. and and talk yeah. a lot, um, but. Yeah, I, I just am trying to figure out how to how you're balancing <laughs> that with having a little kid. Uh, does your wife work too? Like, no, she doesn't. She... No, she doesn't oh. work. Yeah, yeah. So that's how we that's how we do that. I mean, she was working until right before she gave birth, um, but she was working part time for a while. So I'd sort of figured out how to you know cover the bills and all of that. And um, yeah, so she doesn't have to work. So she's with him most of the day. The cool thing is we're both at home, so I actually get to see him sort of all day throughout the day, even though yeah, I'm not with him as much as she is. I, I bet a lot of people can relate during COVID, especially where everybody, you know, so many people are working from home. Not everybody, but a lot more people. And but that that's sort of been my normal anyway, because the commercial composition thing, very few people have studios that they run mm-hmm. for that. It's not mm-hmm. cost effective. So uh yeah, I, I get to see him a ton, but I'm I'm not sort of on the hook for his daily care, mm-hmm. and I would not be able to do what I'm doing if I were on the hook. And she's obviously awesome with him. And yeah. So I, I get the best of both worlds. I get to sort of like see him 
you know, six times a day before and then do bedtime, mm-hmm. which I I actually need to run in a minute here because I need to help mm-hmm. with bedtime. No, that's good. I was, him, I was just about to say we yeah. don't want to take too much more of your time. We always end with uh, a segment we just call thanks or no thanks, and you just pick one thing. You are either thankful or not that you don't get one of each. You got to pick. You got to you, you got to pick choose. one. Thanks yeah, but or you, no thanks. Yeah, Ooh. but we'll, we but all, you get to go last. It. Yeah, we all do it. Yeah, okay, we all have to I'll do it. Last. Okay. Uh, Nate, you got one. Uh, sure. I'm gonna throw. <laughs> I hope you put more effort into this than your fucking. High <laughs> I, have, I haven't thought about it until right now. That's that's the common theme. Is I I mostly wing it. Um, hey, tell gonna, me, tr- trust me, Nate's good on the. That's the way he is. He's got to be that way. I'm gonna it throw work. it to, when when uh, when he's genuinely uh, interested, it gets boring. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I like the stuff I love is I'm too into it to really. Yes, we talked content. about Japanese yeah, film yeah, yeah. one time, yeah, and I was like, "Dude, this Kurosawa, is so boring." And we talked, you know, no. I'm, I'm super boring. Can we talk about uh, Takashi Miike? <laughs> sure, we can. We can talk about. <laughs> Nate, I think we can we have a different a podcast. Thing. We can have yes. a different podcast sometime. Oh, let's just... talk about how good First Love was, dude. Okay. <laughs> okay. Or so Harakiri, I'm... Death of a Samurai. All right. Go I am gonna throw out my. I guess this is a. I'm gonna call it a thanks to chess.com <laughs> for my for my week chess.com. my week free trial. But this is why I'm giving it a thanks. It's a great it's a great hell? trial to have. Uh, but I've realized that I so I get I get really really into the things that I like, which is kind of what we were just talking about. That's what we were talking about. Um, and I'm like an average chess player and uh but that's what i thought and then i did this trial on chess chess.com and now i've realized that i'm not good enough so <laughs> i'm I'm, chess I'm gonna just let chess go back to where it was in my life before where that's every... a thanks and no thanks that's both yeah yeah i'm, I'm yeah. giving thanks to to that to that trial to help me understand hey this is probably a hobby i should not pursue <laughs> In a in a very serious way because I'm just Nate, it's been yeah. so long so much of my time to get good. Yes, Nate, just Nate, stick to Mario 35. You know if it's working, it's Dude, working. I was kicking butt uh, in that. It game. sounds like we gotta. We also need to talk about the Queen's Gambit on Netflix, Nate. But we'll. Well, this is why offline. I I that got me back into chess. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. oh, such a good show. We could talk about that. Yeah. If you want to uh, do movies with him, it'll be very informative and super boring. But I highly recommend you do it. <laughs> Oh, uh, we're just gonna sure. chat offline. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Uh, my my thanks would just be. Uh, I wish it was a quorum, but it's not. But the amount of people that I'm seeing who are trying to be empathetic, and understand and measured right now, um, instead of gloating and and uh, I just can't stand the amount of people who are assuming that other people with different opinions are not well thought out or cared about. Mm. Um, so the amount of people that I see who are fighting for empathy right now. Uh, to all of you who are listening, thank you. Yeah, good. Yeah, right on. Um, I'll do a no thanks. Um, my shop, my wood shop, is right next to a uh, gymnasium, and a really cool nonprofit uses it to provide like a space for kids to play and train with basketball, which is really cool. Um, but they just had their floors redone, and it totally fumed us out like a week. That I haven't oh. been able to get in my shop and do anything, so rough. It's kind of like making do, and yeah. Fortunately, Dang, it's been dude. mostly okay, but dude, just headaches. Get the wrong, you get the wrong kind of fumes, dude. 
Wrong yeah. Kind of, no, it's not. No, it's not the good kind of stuff. It's the bad stuff. Oh, daggone. It's nasty. I'm going to do a, okay, I'm going to do a thanks to Four Seasons Total Landscaping. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's Just the most kidding. beat that's thing that's tourist, ever happened in real tourist life. Tourist destination. It is. Okay, Nate, I love that you said Veep. My actual, my new uh, deal with myself now that Trump has been defeated is every time I open up an app to look at politics, I'm just going to watch an episode of Veep instead. <laughs> I'm going to scratch the itch that way with a great television show. Yeah. No, so I'm going to use this as a it's a thanks and a little bit of a plug. I don't know when each thing will come out, but earlier today, I was recording an episode with Homebrew on Homebrewed Christianity. So I'm going to thank Trip Fuller, the host of Homebrewed mm-hmm. Christianity, for doing this. My friend Sari and I, uh, we put together a website that is now up called soyourdeconstructing.com, Y-O-U-R-E. And it's like a resource page for, you know, therapy, online and in-person communities, practices, testimonies, and topics around faith, D, and reconstruction. Uh, it took us many, many hours to put together. It's up. And Trip hosted a covid friendly launch party where we did a ex evangelical fantasy draft (laughs) on the episode it's like two and a half hours long so only listen if you really want to where we each we did a snake draft like in fantasy football where you got one item per category so like per position and the seven biblical number categories were sexual bible verses Purity culture illustrations or object lessons, theological ideas you were most stoked to learn about, Christianese <laughs> phrases, young earth creationist arguments, youth group <laughs> rituals or icebreakers, and Christian equivalent of secular bands, as in if yes. you like Rage Against oh, the Machine, yeah. you'll like Project 86. So we did a whole uh, Sari and I trip and Mason Menenga, host of a People's Theology, That's did amazing a game episode that was earlier today and i i will say thank you to trip for hosting That's that awesome. it was a ton of fun again i don't know when which is coming out but if that sounds funny to you you should listen to it it'll be funny right on well <laughs> awesome. i do want you to plug your stuff and when you do that you don't have to spend too long on it but we did uh totally go off the end time stuff but you've done some really cool stuff is that on the so you're deconstructing uh, uh oh is it i don't know if it is okay. i would say the end time stuff just look in the you have permission podcast feed so the main uh the main chunk was four episodes called end times anxiety parts one through four mm-hmm. something like march of this year and then uh 2020 and then end times popularity was the follow-up with baby boomers and that was in july i think and that's two parts shorter um, and then, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of stuff coming out around the topic of spiritual and religious abuse, which is actually kind of where the dissertation focus has shifted. And there'll be, so there's two episodes in the can already and more coming awesome. around that. Uh, one of those guests is actually on my dissertation committee. Uh, and so that's kind of one of the fun directions we're heading now. So I don't mm-hmm. struggle with that stuff. Would you say it's fairly trigger free? For people who uh, do struggle with that stuff, mm, the end time stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would say 
I mean, if you're really in a place where you're like in therapy over mm -hmm. freaking out about end times, no, maybe don't listen to it right now. Right. Um, if you get to a place where you're comfortable, because it's a lot of people's stories. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I could imagine that being triggering if, if that's, you know, a, an issue for you, which it has yeah. been for me at different times in my life. And yeah, I guess I wouldn't have listened to it at those points. But it could yeah. be a cool recovery tool. I just, yeah, I, I didn't realize it was sure. a thing until, you know, I know people now who have dealt with it and then hearing you deal with it. And then I just continued to hear, this is a huge undercurrent, underbelly thing that right. I had no clue about. So Yeah, I um, hope to do some more research about that specifically, but uh, not to get too inside baseball, but when I was planning to do that work, I actually realized that there just wasn't enough research on the broader topic of spiritual and religious mm -hmm. abuse, of which I would consider the sort of using terror or horror through an end times perspective mm -hmm. is actually just one of like 20 facets of it. And like, we actually just need more general research really? first. Wow. And then maybe then we get to that. Yeah. I'm turning, I'm talking about in like the journals yeah. peer reviewed kind of stuff. There's just right. almost nothing. And so mm -hmm. doing my That's best cool. to contribute well, there. We don't want you to miss bedtime. And, and, but can I just say for once on this episode, can we just play outside baseball? I feel like we've only been playing inside baseball. <laughs> inside baseball. Inside what baseball. is outside baseball? So where do people, it's, right, it's just called baseball. It's just it's called just baseball. baseball. Yeah, it's just yeah. baseball. So you have permission. Where do people find you? Anywhere. Yeah, anywhere you find podcasts. And then uh, dancokewords.com mm -hmm. would link to all that stuff. K-O-C-H is how you spell well, my name. Thank you for all you're doing, Dan. It's very meaningful yeah. and impacting a lot of people. So great. Thanks, thanks for giving Appreciate us the time, it. man. That was a fantastic conversation. Thank you guys for having me. I had Thanks, a lot man. of fun. Nate, you and I will have to <laughs> somebody send me Nate's phone number and we'll text about movies. Okay? Sounds good. Hard to get always works. Dag yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, I'm sure Dan. It's worked with the ladies, Nate. All right, see you guys. <laughs> 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 Between the notes, ever since you're a judge.